welcome to the Justin Peters program, where we're searching the scriptures to see if these things are so, studying to show ourselves approved, rightfully dividing the word of truth so that we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here's your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you are doing well. It is good to be with you, and I want to thank you for joining me and entrusting this time out of your day to me. I hope that these uh, programs are profitable to you. I've received a number of emails in the last couple of weeks from people who have been listening, and I want to thank you very, very much for that. It's good to know that I do have people out there listening. I have no idea how many people really are listening, but uh, apparently some are, and so I want to thank you for that. In fact, I, I just returned from the Philippines, and uh, that's what I'm going to talk about in today's program, give you an update, kind of a little review of, of the trip that we had to the Philippines, but uh, I had a lady come up to me at one of the conferences there uh, in the Philippines, and she said that she listens to my radio program, so um, I had no idea I had anybody in the Philippines listening, but apparently there are some people scattered about, uh, about around the world that tune in, so um, I'm very grateful for that and very, very thankful. And so, uh, yes, today I want to tell you about the trip to Philippines. Mike Miller and I went. Uh, Mike Miller is my friend and board member, and uh, I went with him to Uganda back in April of 2013. Hard to believe that's been almost two years ago. But Mike Miller and I went to uh, the Philippines together, as did his son, Jacob. Uh, Jacob accompanied us as well. Jacob is 15 years old. And although uh, Jacob didn't preach or anything like that, he was a real big help to us in carrying our bags, our equipment. And he was also really good in, in helping me with going up and down steps and checking on me, asking me if I needed anything and, and whatnot. And just a really, really nice young man. And um, so it was a joy to be, to be with him. Glad that he got to go. And so we had a great trip to the Philippines. We really did. We landed in Manila, and we spent much of our time there. As, uh, as we'll spend some time in some other towns as well, such as Batangas and others. Some of the names of the towns escape me. Just don't remember them. But uh, most of our time was was in Manila. But we were in some other surrounding areas as well. Uh, very, very crowded. Oh my word! Very crowded. Traffic was an absolute nightmare. Uh, it, it, unlike Uganda, uh, the Philippines uh, do actually have it does have roads and lanes and, and uh, traffic lights. We didn't have anything like that in Uganda. But uh, boy, I tell you, if you want to get around in Manila, especially Manila, you've just got to you've just got to muscle your way into traffic. You know, there's no uh, there's not a lot of uh, people letting you in. You've just got to muscle your way into it, and it's kind of a um, somewhat organized chaos and the traffic very very crowded, very crowded. But um, uh, but it was it was a great trip. The people were very warm. Uh, very welcoming. I found the Filipinos to be very, very nice, uh, very receptive to the teaching. I, I taught in a number of different venues. Mike Miller preached on a couple of occasions as well. He was kind of under the weather for much of the week, a uh, really raspy voice, but he did have a couple of opportunities to preach. Most of the preaching and teaching I did, but he did some as well. And I'm um, really grateful that he went with me on this trip to basically to help me 
do what I do. And, and uh, so I was, was a, very grateful for, for his friendship. But we had a number of different venues. I'll give you just a little rundown. The first church we went to was a little church named God is Able Baptist Church. God is Able Baptist Church, pastored by Pastor Eloy. And Pastor Eloy was a, a joy to be with. It's a very small church. And um, uh, the, the people there are, are pretty poor, but uh, Eloy was a joy to be with. He's, he's very doctrinally sound, but uh, Pastor Eloy is actually paralyzed from the waist down. He, he does have legs, but he cannot use them at all. His legs just kind of, you know, just kind of flop around. And when he wants to go somewhere, there's a young man in the church who will carry him around, uh, literally kind of like uh, piggyback. I saw Pastor Eloy just uh, getting around piggyback style uh, on the back of this young man, had his arms, you know, around his uh, neck there and just this young man toted him around. It was, uh, it was actually pretty heartwarming to see that, uh, to see this young man doing that for his pastor, but also to see Pastor Eloy, who is, who is, uh, you know, uh, physically very, very disabled, but loves the Lord, loves His Word, loves His uh, church, and takes his responsibilities of shepherding that flock very, very seriously. So uh, it was, it was a joy to, to see him. And get to know him a little bit. We were also at Grace Bible Baptist Church, led by Pastor Vic. And Pastor Vic is a super nice guy, great sense of humor. Really enjoyed our time there. The largest venue that we had was in Manila. And uh, Harvest Church sponsored this particular conference in Manila. Harvest is a church of around 100 to 120 people or so. And is led by a man named Pastor Armand. And uh, Pastor Armand is just, um, again, just a joy to be with. Very, very uh, nice man. And again, like like the other pastors, loves the Lord, loves his word, loves his flock. And uh, had a really good time of fellowship with uh, Pastor Armand and uh, his wife Jackie and uh, they put this their their church put this conference together and there were about 700 people in attendance at this conference so it was it was a, a large conference and uh, uh, quite a broad spectrum of people who attended it most i would say appeared to be you know, as best I could tell, it's not like I talked to all 700 of them, but most I would say were, were pretty, you know, seemed to be doctrinally sound. Most, as I was teaching, seems like most of the people were tracking with me and were in, in agreement. Some were not, of course. There were some Word of Faith folks there. The Philippines has its own crop of false teachers. Uh, one individual, uh, in particular, I think of one, one of their false teachers, a guy named Bo Sanchez. And Bo Sanchez is kind of like the Joel Osteen of the Philippines, basically. He's, he's much more into motivational speaking and self-help. He calls it uh, he calls himself a, a pastor, Bible teacher, but he's but he's not. He's, he reminds me a lot of Joel Osteen. And so there's um, another guy named Joey Bonifacio. And I don't know that doctrinally he's necessarily word of faith, but he's just very weak doctrinally. A lot of uh, 
um, uh, prosperity overtones in his teaching, and he favorably quotes uh, the Pope uh, in uh, the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. Obviously, favorably favorably quotes him, and so anytime you have a pastor that is favorably quoting uh, anybody, any. Roman Catholic theologian, that's a that's a huge issue. So you got guys like Bo Sanchez and Joey Bonifacio and, and some others um, that are that are full blown uh, false teachers and, and some weak teachers. And so some of the folks from these uh, false churches were were in attendance there, and uh, there were also some female pastors there. And we had a Q and A session at the end of the conference. I did the entire conference in one day there, and we had a Q and A session there at the end. And uh, there was uh, I received a couple of questions about uh, is it is it biblical to for a female to pastor a church, and and so I, I was very clear. I said no. No, it's it's not, and I've fleshed it out biblically, theologically, why it's not okay. And I, I, from what I hear, some of the Harvest Church received quite a bit of negative feedback from from some people who did not like what I had to say about female pastors, who did not like what I had to say about the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, so there were some of those, but but most people there seemed to be tracking with me. And um, but anyway, it was it was a large kind of a broad spectrum there at, at that at that conference. The Philippines, at least the northern half of the Philippines, uh, which is where we were, is heavily Roman Catholic, heavily Roman Catholic. I would say around eighty five to ninety percent of the Philippines, uh, the Filipinos in the northern half of the country, are indeed Roman Catholic. And at one point at this conference. Uh, I just said to the crowd, I said, uh, just out of curiosity, raise your hand if you were saved out of the Roman Catholic Church. And you know what, dear ones? I'd say over half of the hands went up. Uh, I'd say easily half, but probably over half of everybody in that conference raised their hands. And wow, wow. That that was just that was really cool to see. It really, really was. Uh, what a praise that God graciously saved all of those folks out of the deception that is the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, that was just really, really heartwarming. And of course, uh, many of you probably have heard me say that my own wife, my wife Kathy, was also saved out of the Roman Catholic Church, and it's uh, it is the largest organized theological cult. In the world, largest organized theological cult in the world, and so uh, it's it's really uh, it's encouraging to see God saving people out of that deception. But uh, nonetheless, that area very heavily Roman Catholic. The Pope was there just the week before we were. Pope Francis made a, a visit there, and and they really pulled out all the stops. There was a number of gigantic. Gigantic, gigantic billboards in the uh, Manila area with Pope Francis' picture on it. So, uh, very heavily Roman Catholic. So it's um, you know it's not it's not as easy to be a um, Bible believing born again Christian in the Philippines. It's not as easy to to do that there as it is here in the United States. 
so anyway, it was it was really encouraging. Really enjoyed the conference. I enjoyed the Q and A. That's always kind of my favorite part of uh, doing my seminars. I really enjoy the Q and A sessions. We had a lot of good questions. In fact, we couldn't get to all of them, but uh, we got through a number of them. So, and people received the teaching really, really well. Um, tons and tons of people came up to me afterwards and thanked me for the teaching. And as I was teaching, I could see a lot of people taking notes. And so, um, so it was good. It was a, it was a good conference that Saturday. And then, uh, the following Sunday morning, I preached at St. Mesa Bible Church. St. Mesa Bible Church is pastored by a man, a man named, uh, Romil. Romil. I think I'm saying that right. Romil. Romil was a great guy. Uh, he, he, he really was a great guy, uh, doctrinally sound. He, he also organized a conference for me at, at the uh, Manila Theological Seminary the following day, Monday. And, uh, so as that I, as I had done on Saturday at the big conference, uh, the conference on Monday at the Manila Theological Seminary, uh, was done all in one day as well. Did my entire seminar in one day. And, uh, there was probably about 120 people in attendance there. A number of those were young men training to be in the ministry. And so I always enjoy teaching opportunities like that. And anytime I have an opportunity to teach pastors, to equip pastors or young men training to be pastors, that I really enjoy that because of the multiplier effect. Uh, Lord willing, these pastors and men training to be pastors will take what they learned and um, and in turn teach it to their respective churches or the churches that they will one day have uh, in the in the future, so I always enjoy opportunities like that. I want to share a couple of quick stories just to encourage you a little bit. Uh, I met a young man named Matt on the Friday night before the big conference on Saturday, and uh, I gave my testimony. They asked me to come in Harvest Church. Asked me to come in the night before the conference just to kind of meet and greet and, and meet the people at the church who were putting on the conference and setting up for it and all that. They wanted me to give my testimony, and which I did, and so, and then they wanted me to preach a little bit, which I did. And um, when it was over, this young man came up to me. I was walking to the to the restroom, and this young man came up to me, introduced himself, and uh, he said, uh, "Pastor Justin." And they all call me that, by the way. Everybody in the Philippines call me Pastor Justin, even though I'm not a pastor. I think it's just an address of respect rather than a, a descriptive address. But anyway, he said, Pastor Justin, I did not like what you said tonight. I loved it. <laughs> and when he first said, I did not like what you said tonight, I was, I said, okay. He said, I loved it. And, um, Matt is 20 years old, a young man, 20 years old, and he's from further south in the Philippines. And Matt told me just a, a little bit about his testimony, how he got saved. And uh, he said that, um, you know, he doesn't have many Christian friends where he's from, but he he flew up. He um, bought, an, when he heard about this conference, he bought a, an airplane ticket and he flew up to Manila quite a ways at his own expense, flew in just for the conference, and did not have a place to stay. Uh, he was going to just sleep on the floor in the building in which we had the conference. He was going to help the people there set up for the conference. He was just going to sleep on the floor. So he had, you know, he came up at his own expense uh, just for the truth, just to hear the truth. 
And, you know, that is really encouraging. Here's a young man, 20 years old, hungry for the truth of God's Word. And he hears about this conference and buys his own plane ticket. His parents are not believers, but bought his own plane ticket, flew up there just to be taught the Word of God and and was willing to sleep on the floor and, and was willing to help set up for the conference. You know, um, that was a, it was really encouraging to me. I want to read to you. He sent me an email. Just I got it right as I was uh, coming back to the States. And uh, I would like to read this email to you. Uh, just just to kind of encourage you a little bit and just to let you know that uh, God does have his people all around the world. And uh, it, it, it's a beautiful thing when I travel overseas and I may be in a country with a different culture, with a different language, different food. And there was definitely different food in the Philippines. Uh, but um, when you're with like-minded believers in Christ, that that um, those super, superficial differences just melt away there there's a there's a fellowship there that i have experienced in so many places around the world uh, a kindred spirit a fellowship a bond when you're with like-minded believers in christ that um it just it's it it, it supersedes all these superficial you know cultural differences or whatnot but i want to read to you what he wrote me because it, it, it blessed me and i, I hope it'll bless you He says, Dear Pastor Justin Peters, he says, I I know for a fact that there is only a slight chance that you will be able to read this email. You're a busy man, and emails like this tend to get lost in your inbox. That is true. I do do lose a lot of emails, unfortunately. I get so, so many, and uh, it's hard for me, really. It's really impossible for me to keep up with all of them, but, but, um, well, I read them all. I will say that. I read them all, but... I'm not always able to respond to them. So anyway, um, he says, emails like this tend to get lost in your inbox. So for the slightest chance that you'll be able to read this, and if God wills it, I'm writing to you. Please forgive me in advance if I ever type in things that might not be pleasing to you in any way, because that is not my intention, <laughs> which nothing he typed was in any way displeasing to me. He didn't have anything to worry about. But anyway, I digress. He continues. He says, you may not remember me, but we, uh, I met you when you were here in the Philippines visiting Harvest Christian Fellowship on January 31st. Uh, my name is Matt. We talked a bit that afternoon. You even offered me a place in the hotel you were staying. Thank you for that, though I declined because I was helping out and setting up the venue that morning. I am more than blessed by your efforts to help Christians out, not just in sniffing out the obvious indications of a ravenous wolf, but also how to shoot down their arguments. Allow me to share more about myself. I became a Christian when I was 15, when two college students shared the gospel to me in my brokenness. I grew up Catholic, and I always knew that Jesus died and rose again for my sins, but I never understood what that actually meant until those two guys explained to me the need for a perfect substitute for the penalty of my sins and the need for repentance. It was also the way they prayed that got me, because they prayed as if God was as real as you and I, and that, and that also really hit me, because during that time I only believed that God was real, and that's it. Anyway, I was blessed enough to be discipled by one of them, and praise God he was mature in his faith, because there was no sense of a prosperity gospel whatsoever in the doctrine that he taught me. By God's grace alone, I got in tune with sound doctrine and theology at a very early point in my life as a Christian, and I had no hint 
of what a prosperity gospel was until a few months later. When I finally learned what that message taught, it disgusted me. The reason why was because since I was 10 years old, my mom's sister was living with us, and whenever my mom was away for work, I was domestically abused. I had a little brother. It continued until a few years after I got saved, and the idea of God only wanting the very best for me according to this life was a huge slap in the face. Here I was, a teenager experiencing the joy of Christ amidst my situation, and here are people teaching that if I don't have my best life now, I was not a Christian. I was not saved. The Holy Spirit was not dwelling in me. That sort of message did not make sense to me at all as someone who was struggling in that sort of environment. In September of 2012, I lost my father. I grew up without him, and after years of only getting a few calls and texts from him, we discovered that he was involved in a cult which did not believe in modern medicine. I don't know this for sure. This is maybe Jehovah's Witness, I'm thinking. I don't know, but because uh, I know they're, they're, they tend that direction. But anyway, he continues. To make the long story short, he had an enlarged heart, failing kidneys, and a damaged left brain hemisphere. He spent three and a half weeks in a coma and was six hours away from where I was living. Even though during the time I was taking four major subjects in college, I was going back and forth to visit him in the hospital. I shared the gospel to him twice while I was there, and my cousin who was a nurse assured me that he could hear me. They had to pull the plug after all that time because the doctors did everything they could and hospital bills were getting ridiculous. I praise God I did not hold on to a prosperity message during that time, or else I would have struggled even more. Because if I did, I would have questioned my salvation, the message of salvation, and even the existence of God. Honestly, how do you talk to people who go through these harsh realities? How do you comfort people who have hit rock bottom? Ever since I became a Christian, there are things in my life that, is, that have somehow gone from bad to worse. And that's only because this world is decaying. There have indeed been highs, there have been lows, but I know that heaven is nearer than before and my hope is not in this world. I have many sorrows and I'm even anticipating a hard time for my family shortly. However, my ultimate joy is in my Savior, Jesus Christ. By His grace alone, He's used those experiences of mine to be able to extend the kind of compassion only people who went through what I did could. It wasn't necessarily a good thing, but great things came out of it because God works in His sovereignty. Um, I want a little editorial note uh, and just throw in a couple of two, my two cents here. You know, what he is saying is so true. It is, he's so true, and he seems to have so much maturity for a young man his age. But uh, he understands that the Christian life is not a life of ease. He understands that Jesus never promised that we would have our best life now. And uh, I love it when he says that uh, since he became a Christian, there are things in his life that have gone from bad to worse. And, and that is to be expected, is it not? Uh, Christ does not promise us an easy life. He promises us persecution. Uh, scripture says, all of those who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, we may not be drawn and quartered, and we may not be 
stoned or uh, imprisoned, you know, at least not in the United States of America, but some of our brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world are experiencing those things. So whether it's a, a hard persecution like what is going on in Syria and Iraq and North Korea, uh, places like that, Somalia, Ethiopia, you know, that's a hard persecution. If, if you're living godly in Christ Jesus, even if you're here in the United States of America, I hope at some point along the way, you have experienced at least a little soft persecution. Um, not to say that we should go out looking for it, but if we live godly in Christ Jesus, if we if we are obedient to the commands of Scripture, we should expect some persecution, some soft persecution. Uh, it's it's inevitable. It's inevitable. I mean, you could you could be a Joel Osteen kind of Christian which is no Christian at all, but I mean, you could be some loosey-goosey um, uh, professing Christian and, and take no stands on anything and, yeah, not be persecuted for that. You know, everybody will like you, but boy, as soon as you really tar- take, start taking hard stands and standing up for, for the truth of Scripture and, and doing so when it's not convenient to do it, or when you take stands uh, for for doctrinal truths that may go against church tradition, or uh, people don't you know people don't like that, then then yeah, you're going to experience some soft persecution. So um, anyway, just a little aside there, but a little commentary on what he said because it's it's encouraging to to read this from this young man, and, and he understands that even though he's you know he's he's young, but uh, but he understands it really well. But anyway, uh, I want to come back now to back to his email. He says, um, I'd like to thank you for making the visit and teaching us how to sniff out wolves and giving us a better understanding as to how their message works. I'm now sharing these things with the Bible studies I'm involving myself in, and the guys that I talk to are very much amazed and repulsed at how the message really works, like that horrible little God part, or that woman who said it is ridiculous for her that God can be glorified through a sickness or through any hardship. Some of these guys went through a lot as Christians also. One of them lost his father to a motorcycle accident last December 24th. His father was not a believer. You can see how much that false gospel, which is no gospel at all, doesn't work in this reality. And then he says, if I ever said something which may have been off, please forgive me. That was not my intention at all. I hope you to continue to do what you're doing in exposing these false teachers. We should indeed pray for them and for the people who are listening to them and supporting them. But it is still so very sad that people buy into this ridiculous theology. May God bless you, Pastor Justin. Sincerely yours, Matt. And, you know... Praise the Lord. That 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 really encouraged me. And uh, Matt was just a, a joy to get to know and, and to be with. And uh, praise the Lord for the work that he's done in his life. Uh, also, uh, a young man who helped us tremendously in the Philippines is a young man named Kurt. And Kurt rode around with us almost everywhere we went. We, we made the mistake of renting a car and thinking we could kind of drive ourselves around. But after about one day of that, we realized we had no business driving ourselves around Manila. And uh, so Kurt um, kind of came in to save the day for us, and he went with us and showed us how to get places and turn here, turn there, get in this lane. This, you know, he's, And Kurt's a really, really nice guy. Uh, a young man about, let's see, what is Kurt? I think he's about 20, 
two or so. And um, young man, brilliant mind, very, very smart uh, young man, uh, hard worker and loves the Lord, really, really studies and, and growing, growing like a weed. And as a Christian, growing in the grace and knowledge of his Lord Jesus, of his Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, praise a praise the Lord for Kurt. And I thank him, Kurt, if you happen to be listening, brother, thank you for your help. And um, we, we I don't know where we would have been without Kurt. We'd probably still be stuck in Manila somewhere. So um, it was a good trip. I, and one other quick little story. And this young man, I do not even know his name. But uh, to wrap up in our in my discussion about our trip to the Philippines, the church that I preached in Sunday morning, we got there early, and I'm sitting in one of their little plastic chairs there, and they brought in some breakfast for us. And this young man walks in, and I, I'm guessing he's probably, oh, probably about Matt's age, uh, 20 or so. And he walked in, and, and he was blind, uh, and, but he walked past me, and went to the front row and sat down. And so, um, of course, he didn't he didn't see me, obviously, because he's blind. But uh, so I didn't really I didn't I never talked to him. But uh, we went ahead and ate breakfast. And right before the service started, I was kind of up towards the front so I could get up on the stage to preach. And uh, I looked at this young man and he had a book in his lap with no print on it. It's just it was a book with white pages, but it was Braille. And I noticed that he had his right hand and he was just rubbing his hand over the pages there of this book. And uh, I could tell that's you know what he was doing. He was reading Braille. And uh, to look at the book, you'd think it's just a bunch of white pages there, nothing on it, but of course it had the little Braille dots. And um, I was sitting there, and, and the pastor of the church was right next to me. And uh, I leaned over, and I said, uh, "I said, brother, uh, what's what's this young man's name?" And he told me I, I, his name has escaped me to my shame. But but I said, um, "I said, is he totally blind?" He said, "He's mostly blind. He can't read. He reads Braille." I said, "What is he reading?" And he said, "Pastor told me he's he's reading the Bible. That's his Bible. He brings it in, and he was sitting there." Just reading the Bible, his his hand just going over the page, probably for almost an hour before the service ever started, just sitting there reading scripture through his fingertips. And the pastor told me that uh, this young man is wants to be a pastor himself one day. He wants to be a pastor, and he's blind. Um, it almost brought me to tears. It's one of those things that uh, I wish you could have seen. It, it loses so much of the impact when I just try to describe it to you. But I, I can see this young man in my mind's eye right now. Um, a small young man, very skinny. Um, clothes were, you know, he, he didn't have nice clothes. So I would assume he was in all likelihood quite poor. But just sitting there by himself. And his his fingers just gently going over the page, pages of scripture. And he's training to be a pastor. He loves the Lord, loves his word. And uh, that is so very, it was so encouraging to me. And like I say, it almost brought me to tears. But uh, very, very encouraging. So it was a good trip to the Philippines. By God's grace, I think a lot of fruit was born. And in all likelihood, Mike Miller and I will never know uh, even 1%, hopefully, of the fruit that was born. But God's Word 
is sharper than any two-edged sword, and God's Word does what uh, He has designed it to do. So um, I trust that fruit will continue to be born from our trip there. One of the pastors there called the conference, the big conference that we had on Saturday. He said that, that nothing is like this has ever been had in the Philippines. And he, he said Benny Hinn has been here before. A lot, a lot of false teachers have had big conferences, but we've there's never been one that was focused on sound doctrine. And he said this was a historic event for um, Manila in the Philippines. I, you know, I, I don't know how... If, if that's, um, I hope it's true, but uh, um, but again, this is no pat on my back, no pat on Mike Miller's back. Uh, this is this is just a praise to God, and so I, I pray that uh, this conference will be used to the Lord. And if you remember to do so, I would certainly ask that you pray that the truth that we brought there, the DVDs that we left there, will continue to to bear fruit. That teaching will stay, and uh, God would be honored and glorified in that, and people in the Philippines would be equipped to speak the truth in love and that God would use this truth to bring more out of, uh, bring more people out of the deception that is the prosperity gospel and the Roman Catholic Church. So thank you very much, dear ones, for listening. Uh, next week, I am headed to Brazil, February 13th. I'll be leaving for Brazil, be speaking at a conference there, and this will be the, the largest conference I've ever spoken at, they tell me that there will be up to 8,000 people there. And so by a factor of three, that's that's that'll be the largest uh, venue I've, I've ever had. And so I think a lot of pastors will be in attendance. So I do covet your prayers for me as I make yet one more trip uh, overseas, this time to Brazil, Recife, R-E-C-I-F-E, Brazil, somewhere in that area. So uh, cover your prayers for me as I go. Uh, pray for Kathy as she stays here and holds down the fort and continues to get her new home kind of settled and squared away. And uh, also what's coming up in future programs very, very shortly, I will be doing a series uh, on spiritual warfare. I have interviewed Jim Osmond, my pastor and my friend who has written a book on spiritual warfare. The title of the book is Truth or Territory. Truth or Territory. And uh, the book is available now on Kindle format. And the website is truthorterritory.com. And we re- we recorded 11 programs, I believe, on spiritual warfare. And so I will be playing those shortly, beginning probably in about two weeks. Be playing those programs for you. Very, very interesting. I think you'll really benefit from this series of programs. We talk about things like territorial spirits, uh, rebuking Satan, uh, casting out demons, generational curses, uh, binding Satan, things like this. Uh, so very, very interesting. Look forward to that series with you. So until our next time together, dear ones, thank you very much. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to the Justin Peters program. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or would like to invite him to come and speak at your church or conference, contact him through his website, justinpeters.org. That's justinpeters.org.